Bible stories are great because they teach us lessons about real life. Some of the Bible stories are very, like, like, a, like fantastic. Like the story Pastor Elijah shared last week. Three men are thrown into this fiery furnace that's so hot, the guys throwing them in die, and, and you know, and, and, and these guys come out alive without even smelling like smoke, and it's an amazing miracle. The Bible also tells stories like about how a large nation, up to two million people, crossed through a sea on dry land, and you're like, wow, what an amazing story, wow. And then there are stories that are just ordinary, real stories, real life, real people that you and I can resonate with. You know, stories that just, you get it. I, I remember my first job was at a, feed and seed store in Salmon Arm. Farm and garden place, they called it. And I was the grunt. I was like kind of the, the lowest of the low on, on the totem pole at the store. So what, what that meant was that anytime someone came in to buy something, I was the one sent out there to load up whatever he or she bought. And there were two of us that, that worked together in this department, right? So, okay, guys, they, we, you know, we got 10 bags of chicken feed. We got, you know, some sheep feed over here and some seed and fertilizer and fence posts, you know, whatever. And so we would do this together. But inevitably... When a large order came up, 100 fence posts, you know, 50, 40 kilogram bags of fertilizer, suddenly my coworker disappeared. <laughs> he's on the forklift driving behind some pallet somewhere and he's, he's gone and there I am loading up, you know, 88 pound bags of fertilizer onto this guy's pickup truck or, or 150 fence posts. I'm like, where's my coworker? Nowhere to be found. It was uncanny how that there always seemed to be something that needed to be moved right at the time when a big order came in. You know, if it was like three bags, oh yeah, there he was beside me helping him out, but he would just disappear. And you know that feeling? That's the kind of story we find today. Two sisters hosting a group of people at their home, and what comes out is something that we can all relate to. And perhaps you, like me, were drawn to the wrong conclusions on this story. Maybe you, like me, heard it one way, but actually, as we look at it today, you may find that you missed something in this story. Let me read it to you. It's the story of Mary and Martha. They also have a brother named Lazarus, but he's not mentioned in the Luke account of this story. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Here is the story. Now, as they went on their way, this is Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. 
Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. It seems like a real clear story, right? Obviously, Jesus is telling Martha, in light of her sister Mary's behavior, that the preferred thing is to sit and meditate and and to pursue the contemplative life. That this is a polemic against all you to-do list people. Quit working so hard and just stop. Chill. Soak in Jesus. Quit always having to do a task and just stop. And, and of course, if you're inclined to be the contemplative, meditative type, you're like, yeah, amen. Jesus, way to go. If you're the to-do list person, you're like, what? Ah. Oh. That's the traditional interpretation. Everybody quit working, quit doing your to-do list. Stop and just chill with Jesus. Yeah. Sit at his feet. Learn from him. I learned this story this way. I'm just telling you. But you know what? Now that I sit in the leadership chair of a church, and I just thought, you know, and this is one thing you do. When you have an interpretation, you got you to gotta test it out. First of all, is it true? Does the rest of Scripture... Per, per, you know, stand behind the interpretation that you say that text means. And secondly, does it actually work? Sometimes we, you know, we North Americans, we have like our interpretation of a text. But if you were to apply that same interpretation to Africa, to the Maasai tribe living in, you know, cow dung huts or in, in you know, suburban Japan where people are, you know, sleeping in these, you know, tiered, you know, apartment buildings. I mean, I mean does that interpretation and that application work in every situation and locale? And if it doesn't, then you may go, well, maybe I've, maybe I've imported my own understanding into this. Imagine next week on, our, on July 24th, we have this outdoor service here. Imagine if we said, you know what, forget it, Marthas. We're just going to approach it in a merry way, according to this text. All right, so show up, and it's like, well, who's setting up chairs? I don't know. We're just ready to sit at Jesus' feet here. Who's making the hamburgers? I don't know. Did someone bring the grill? Who knows? Where's the grill? We're just chilling with Jesus. Sitting in a circle with crossed legs and Bibles on our laps. I'm wondering, okay, when's the service going to start? I don't know. You know, Mary's that lady that shows up at the potluck with a package of itchy man, you know, uncooked. And you're like, is that what you brought to the potluck? Yeah. Like, didn't you know? Yeah, it was just kind of in my devotions. I didn't really get to it, you know. And then Martha says, wait a second. Did you take that out of the food bank box? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that, that's not, if we were to take this, this text that way, it, it leads us to some very weird conclusions, right? It's like the mom, you know, or the dad, sorry. The dad comes home from work one day. And he pulls into the driveway, but he can't pull into the driveway because there's a assortment of bikes and skateboards and basketballs. He notices the hose pouring over there. The dog and cat are running and chasing each other in the front yard. And he's wondering, what is going on here? The door is wide open. There's clothes and t- wet towels lying around. He comes into the, to the house. The TV is blaring full volume. Dora the Explorer, it's just so annoying. You know, there it is, you know, and, 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 and you know, he notices, he goes into the kitchen and there's milk and, and peanut butter and toast and, you know, things you know, simmering on the stove. And, and he's like, what is happening? He looks in the backyard and he sees kids in all sorts of, of undress and redress running around the yard. He's like, what is happening here? He goes up the stairs and there's clothes and food and 
this and that. And, and he finally opens his bedroom door, and there's his wife sitting with the thing of ice cream watching a movie. <laughs> He's like, what is going on? And she's like, you know, you know how you always ask me, you know, what I did today when you come home from work? Well, today I didn't do it. <laughs> this is the Martha and Mary reality. Like, you got to get stuff done. So clearly, that's not what this text is talking about. So Martha's relaxed. Whew, yeah. It's okay to be a to-do list person. We need the get her done people here at New Life. I mean, I'm not calling on Martha's. Bring it, bring it forward. Have you looked at our kitchen? We need some Martha's here. Help us. But then what is Jesus saying here? What is he getting at? Well, let's look at the text again and walk with me through it. It's not very long. But let's just pause and, and just contemplate. I'll bring in some thoughts from some of the commentators, especially some people that spent some time in the Middle East. But let's look at verse 38 again. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. So first and foremost, Martha is exemplary in this story. She's doing the right thing. She is welcoming people into her home. She has made room in her life for Jesus and presumably the disciples. She has taken time. She has allowed their, her agenda to be shaped by Jesus' travel, and now she is welcoming him into her home. She is not the antagonist in this story. She starts out as the hero. She's doing the right thing for the right person. She is opening her home. You know, the Bible tells us to be hospitable. Right? In Romans 12, 13, it says, pursue hospitality. In 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable without complaining. <laughs> you know what that's like, where you see that relative show up like, oh, darn, you know. <laughs> you know but without complaining, just, yes, come on in. Add some water to the soup, you know. <laughs> Let's find some, get, take a, bread, a loaf of bread out of the freezer, right? Without complaining, it says. In Hebrews 13, 2, don't neglect to show hospitality. And he even says there in, in Hebrews for some have even entertained angels without knowing it. In the book of 1 Timothy and Titus, it says one of the qualities of the spiritual leaders of the church is that they are to be hospitable. I worked here in the 90s, and I lived for two months with Pastor Mike and Darlene Morgan. Some of you know Mike and Darlene, so that's why I'm telling this story. But like, they, they got this. Darlene was not the barefoot contessa or Martha Stewart. Now, and what I mean is that she wasn't like folding napkins into origami swans or anything like that, but she always had a, a, an open table, a big table, lot, enough food, and, and a listening ear. Even in that short period of time, I saw just people coming through their home. I was thinking over 27 years of ministry, they probably had thousands of elbows sit at their table and listened and loved and cared for. Pastor Frank and Sherry were the same when we hired them here at New Life. They just opened their home up, and people were going through there, and they were visiting. Our yak group started in their home, and so, like, hospitality, this is a good thing. She, she is doing the right thing. Clearly, she is setting an example for all of us to be hospitable. But then we get to the second verse, verse 39, the contrast. <laughs> she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listen to what 
he said. So here's where the contrast comes in. We, we imagine Martha serving and we imagine Mary just sitting. Now we'll get to the, later in the story, you'll find that Mary, Mary did serve with Martha. At some point she left to sit at Jesus' feet. We'll find that out later. But, but, but at the beginning, we're kind of like, okay, here's the hardworking, hospitable woman and here's her lazy sister sitting there just like sitting at Jesus' feet. Yeah. Imagine with me the table, a low table for height. The people eating at the table are, are leaning in with their elbows. Their feet are at the outside of the table. So sitting at his feet means she's on the outer circle. Okay? She's in the shadows. She's not like elbowing her way into the table, sitting with the She's outside, quietly listening. So you can imagine as she is served, and then all of a sudden she's like, wow, this is amazing. What are you saying? Who is this guy? And she just can't stop. And finally, she, you know, after they're done eating, she, she just sits there and she's like, wow. And she's just soaking it in because she's never heard anything like this before. I have a picture here. Uh, this is just a, an artist rendition of, uh, you know, there they are. You know, the, this, the lady listening. This is probably not accurate, right? This is like medieval Jesus with Mary, Mary sitting at his feet, Martha, you know, offering the, the bread there. But just so you get it, there's a bit of a contrast here. The artist is trying to show the difference, right? There's one up high, there's one down low. Jesus is, is looking and he's talking. Now, there's another piece to the story here. Uh, Jewish women tended to stay out of the Jewish men's circles. In culturally speaking, I mean, they just avoided what the men were doing. It was not socially right. It's kind of like some Middle Eastern countries today. Like, you don't look at women. You don't talk to women. Uh, in, in certain cultures, you just you, you let them do their thing and the men do their thing. It was like that in the first century. Here's a quote from the Mishnah. This is like the Jewish oral tradition. Uh, it says, let thy house be opened wide and let the needy be members of thy household and talk not much with womankind. <laughs> you love that. <laughs> they said this of a man's own wife. How much more of his fellow's wife? And then he says, he goes on, he says, uh, hence the sages have said, he that talks much with womankind brings evil upon himself <laughs> and neglects the study of the law and at last will inherit Gehenna. Want to let your teenage sons memorize that verse, right? <laughs> he that talks much with womankind brings evil upon himself, <laughs> neglects the study of the law, and will inherit hell itself. You know, so anyway, so you understand, like there was a there was a little bit of sexism in the first century Jewish culture. There is a cultural faux pas occurring in this household. Women didn't sit at the rabbi's feet. Women kept the towel, and they brought the food, and they got out of the way. But she's sitting there, and the master, Jesus, is not telling her to get lost. He just keeps teaching. That, that's sort of the silent thing going on in the back of the narrative. But just understand, there's this Jewish context. You're like, this is weird. What's happening? It says in the second quote here, I've got another one here. It says, um, this guy said, let thy house be a meeting house for the sages and sit amidst the dust of their feet and drink in their words with thirst. So this is what a disciple, a follower of a rabbi did. You'd sit at their feet and you'd listen to them and you'd soak them in. So Mary is assuming the posture of a disciple of Jesus. Luke is not afraid to bring women up to the, into the, out of the shadows and into the light in his gospel. And he's doing that here in the story of Mary and Martha. 
So there is a bit of embarrassment, too, in the household because everyone that's there, that's maybe watching, neighbors, whatever, they're like, what is she doing? And Martha, being the hostess, the homeowner, presumably, she's embarrassed because her sister is bringing shame to their family because she dares sit in the shadows listening to Jesus. And so Martha decides she needs to do something about this. See that in the beginning of verse 40, 40 verse A. It says, but Martha was distracted with all the preparation she had to make. There's a contrast here, right? Mary, like a moth to a light, is drawn in to hear and to listen and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Wow. Martha is getting distracted. She's drawn away. The word literally means to be pulled away. In the ancient Greek uh, literature, that word was used to describe putting the bit into the horse's mouth and pulling the reins. You're, you're pulling it in a different direction. She's being pulled away from everything else, from what's going on in her house, by all the things that she has to do. You know what this is like. You know, for me, this happens every time I walk into my garage and I look, oh, there's a project. Oh, no, there's, I gotta, I gotta clean that workbench. Oh, you know, and, and I just, you know, I just leave depressed. I'm like, oh, I can't, I'll never get this done. And I, I you know, like, I'm distracted, right? Or Lisa says, go do this. And I go there and I'm on my way to doing it. I realize, oh, well, I could do that too. Oh, and then I should be doing that, you know. And pretty soon it's like squirrels chasing everywhere, you know. And, and I, you know, and this is Martha. She can't focus. She's being pulled away. Now, Luke wants to make a spiritual point here. Distracted. You know, it's, it's like when I go to a restaurant and I see a family sitting down together. Like, for me, a family meal at a restaurant is a time for family to, to get away from home. It's a time when mom doesn't have to do dishes or make the meal. It's a time for you to be present with each other. And, and I can't believe it. I go to a restaurant and I see the whole family on their phones. They're distracted. For some reason, whoever that is is more important than whoever this is. I dare you this summer to turn your phone off for a 48-hour period. Don't even look at it. I dare you. Some of you can't do it. You won't do it. You refuse to do it. I dare you. Send out a message saying, yeah, I'm going black for a little while. I'll be back on on this day. If you need to get a hold of someone, call, you know, for whatever you're working in, say, call this person, but don't answer your phone. Don't even look at it. Be present with your wife, with your children, with your husband, with your friends, whatever you're doing. I dare you. Martha is distracted. She's being pulled away. So many different things can pull us away from what's important and what we need to focus on in that moment. She's lost sight of what she's supposed to be doing. And the rest of the verse says this, uh, verse 40. B. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. Now, she's kind enough to recognize that Jesus is the Lord, right? And Luke will bring this out. The Lord is brought out. Christ is Lord. But after acknowledging him as Lord, then she tells him what he needs to be doing. He's not Lord if you're telling him what to be doing, right? 
Some of you are like, oh, Lord, you're God awesome. Now do this for me right now. You know, that's not Lord, right? Yeah, you may have grown up in a home where your parents jumped every time you squawked, but God doesn't do that for you. Tell her. Don't you care? And the way that question is, is phrased, it, it implies, and it's begging for a positive response. Of course I care. It's awful that, that, you're, that, you know, she's being a lazy good-for-nothing while you're slaving here. Isn't that terrible? You've all felt that. I felt that. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. Now, the other side of this is this real awkward situation where, where Martha is triangulating in front of the whole crowd. She is making a scene here. And everyone sitting at a table is like, whoa, this is embarrassing. This is awkward. What do I do? This is a sisterly squabble. She could have just, you know, grabbed her sister and dragged her to the kitchen and said, look, what's going on here? But no, no, she's embarrassing or shaming her in front of Jesus and all the guests. Weird moment. But let's not pick on Martha too much. Like, we all know what this feels like. I mean, you know, when I ask one of my kids to do something, they always say, well, what's so-and-so going to do? You know, everyone wants to know who's care, how, how much of their share are they going to carry, right? And, and so, like, it seems legitimate to us, this request. It seems fair. It seems just. But Jesus comes along and answers in a very surprising way. It says in verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice just to kind of calm her down, to slow her down, bring that blood pressure down. Martha, Martha. Like, I, I see you, Martha. I, I acknowledge you, Martha. I, I recognize what you're doing, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. And those are synonyms, but basically, yeah, you've allowed anxiety to get into your heart, and now you're just distracted by your anxiety, by your worry. It's, it's pulling you away from what's really important at this moment. You are distracted with many things. And so the story now hits home for all of us, right? Because it's not about personality types, right, where you are on the anagram or the Myers-Briggs or whatever personality test you did, otter, beaver, golden retriever, lion. I mean, that doesn't matter. What matters is that worry has grown up and, and seized her heart. It has paralyzed her mind. It has perverted her behavior because there she is and she's just, she's making a, a big scene in front of the whole group, in front of Jesus because her sister, she doesn't think is doing enough thing. If you notice that the last verse, she mentions her name, me, me, my, three times. It's all about her. Worry does tend to be pretty self-focused, pretty narcissistic. That's why Jesus says don't worry because if you trust in him and you believe in him, you don't focus on yourself. Martha, it's all about you, Martha. Get over yourself, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. I liked what Amelia Earhart had, Earhart had to say. She was the first lady that flew across the Atlantic solo. And she'd said this about worry. The time to worry is three months before a flight. Decide then whether or not the goal is worth the risks involved. If it is, stop worrying. To worry is to add another hazard. Quit worrying. Quit being troubled. 
You know, some of you, when, when you fly, you feel that way. There was a guy that was in the airport, and he was just really nervous. His plane got delayed because of bad weather and frost, and, and he's freaking out. He's like, man, I mean, I'm going to get home alive. And he's walking through the airport, and he sees that this, like, thing where, where you can buy life insurance. It's like 20 bucks for a million dollars coverage, right? And he's like, in the case of an accident, your family gets paid out. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to get that life insurance policy. So he fills it out, and then he's like, i got to kill a couple of hours. He goes and has supper and finds this little Chinese restaurant. It's great. He's eating the Chinese, and he's starting to calm down. Oh, yeah, I feel, I feel better. And, and he gets to the end of the meal, and he opens up that fortune cookie. It says, your recent investment will pay big dividends. <laughs> Worry, you never win with worry. Martha, Martha, you're worried, troubled about so many things. And he continues there in verse 42. But one thing is needed. When I was here, a few years ago, before I lived in Lloyd, I'd come up and go hunting with some of the guys here. And, and like, I remember, like, the, at the early, first couple times out, you know, you'd, you'd, you're in a blind, or the, the birds are flying by, you're, there's like a certain adrenaline there, and, you know, Steve would say, okay, every, you know, get, let's take them, you know, and you get up, and you start shooting, right? And it's like, poof, you know, like, this is, it's, you know, for a guy, it's like, whoa, you're, you're just living in the moment. But, but I would go, and I'd just start shooting, and then, like, nothing would kind of fall in front of me, right? And I'm like, why is nothing falling? Because I was just shooting at the, at the geese, right? And then I realized I should actually, like, pick one, right, and actually focus on one. Right? Maybe instead of just, like, shooting at the group, right, hoping that something will come down, you know. And he's, 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 you know, Mar Martha, like, pick a duck, Martha. <laughs> one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. The Greek is not easy in this verse. And the translators have provided some, just to kind of make it make sense in English. But it's like, what is that one thing? Is it, is it one person? Is it one, one, one dish in the meal? Is it implying, like, like, look, Martha, you keep wanting to bring dishes out. We're full. You, the meal's over. Just sit down and enjoy the fellowship. You're thinking about what's going on and washing the dishes and, you know, baking the next meal. I mean, just get it. Just stop it and relax. Or maybe Jesus is saying, you know, like, there's lots of people, lots of things, but there's one person here you need to stop and listen to. It's me. Mary found the choice dish. You know, if you, if you go to potlucks, we'll have one next week. Maybe there'll be that choice dish, right? It's usually the first one that's empty on the table, Right? Because as people go through, they're like, ooh, this is good. And they look behind, this is good. And, be, and by the time I get there, because I'm usually the last one through the line, there's nothing in that dish, right? It's the choice morsel. Right? I'm getting like the, you know, the, the tofu salad or whatever. That's awesome, you know. Mary has chosen the best dish. Because as she served, now notice, like Martha said, she left me to sit at your feet. But she, as she's serving, suddenly the meal's over. Mary's like, I need this. What Jesus is offering is way more important than anything else in the room. It is a challenge for the task-oriented people to do this sometimes. The dishes will always be there. Home projects will always be there and never be fully finished. 
I mean, I, I rebuilt a house and did everything new, and in like six months, I was fixing doorknobs. And I'm like, come on, this is a new house. Nothing should be breaking. That's life. And sometimes you just need to leave all the stuff on the table and go outside and run around with the kids. Look at the sunset. Listen to Jesus. It will not be taken away from her. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about clothing, food, blah, blah, blah. I mean, boy, I mean, I get emails every week, and there's enough worry attached to those emails that I could just, I could be worried for the next thousand years. But then I come back to Jesus, and I said, no, I've got a king that's looking after me and, and this world. I believe he's sovereign. I believe his plan is from the beginning will reach his fruition. I believe he's going to finish everything out the way he wants it to finish, and that I will spend eternity with him. So what do I need to worry about? Even dying when you're a Follower of Jesus Christ doesn't mean like, oh, it's all over. It means it's just beginning. You enter his presence. But some of you discovered that you didn't really believe that because you were afraid of dying. You were paralyzed by dying. I know you, you, you'll, you, know, you feel for your kids, and you, you know, but there's a point when, when you follow Jesus, you're like, okay, I don't need to worry about that. I will still get my tasks done. I'll still wash the dishes. I'll still pay my insurance. I'll, I mean, we got to live life. But he's saying, just slow down long enough. When you have the moment, take the moment. Some of you reading this text need to be more like Martha. You do need to get off your butt and do something. The Holy Spirit may be convicting you. I had a guy come to me a little while ago. said, the sink is not working in the men's bathroom. Can I fix it? I said, yes, you can fix it. He did a Martha task. He blessed the church. Every man now that goes to use that bathroom doesn't get, you know, pin needles in his hands because a brother fixed that sink. And every week we have Marthas that pull the weight here at this church. And may that tribe increase. Some of you need to do something. God put you here for a reason. And it wasn't for you to just look after yourself. It was to serve him and glorify him by using what you have for his glory. Some of you need to stop your action and just listen to Jesus. Some of you need to sign up this week for the, for the verse of the day, a devotional, because you're not spending time in God's word. You wouldn't know Jesus' voice if you heard it because you don't, you don't read it. He wants to speak to you, but you're just so busy in your own activities and your own hustle and bustle and doing all this, doing all that. And he's like, would you just stop and have a little coffee with me or something? Let's visit a bit. Jesus is, is inviting you. Come and know me. And don't worry about that stuff. We will get that stuff done later. I mean, the, the story right before this is the Good Samaritan, right? So obviously Jesus wants us to be active and helping and, and using our, our, our resources to serve and to love others, love our neighbors as ourselves. But then this story comes along and says, but you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Up and out. Good Samaritan is an out story. This is an up story. But you can't have one without the other. You need to have them both. And so depending on which continuum you find yourself this morning, that's how this text will speak to you. Get up. Do something. Stop doing stuff. <laughs> Sit and listen. But we can learn from these sisters. Not one personality is better than the other. Every personality is unique, precious, and valuable and can be used for God's glory. 
But he says, don't miss Jesus in whatever you're doing. Stop long enough to see him. I mean, the greatest, the creator of the universe sat in her living room and she's worrying about the dishes and the bread in the oven and this and that and the laundry and, and, and like the creator of the universe is sitting in your living room, in your dining room table. And you're wondering, who's going to grind the coffee? Who's going to boil the water? I mean, get off it, Martha. Focus. Eat of the choice morsel. This summer, I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to experience Jesus. So that means, like I said, turning off that phone. That means reading the word every day. And that means responding in obedience when God does give you opportunities to do something. Thank you, all of you that participate. And we'll participate next week, helping us. A group of Marthas will get together and we'll make this thing happen. And, and I am so dependent on, on that group. But I hope that in doing stuff, you also see Jesus in the midst of that. I want you to serve so that you can come and, and experience Jesus at a, at a greater level. Team, would you come up and we're going to lead us in, in a closing song. And so I, I hope I, I've redeemed the Marthas out there. I hope I've challenged the Marys out there. I hope we all stop and think, okay, where, where is Jesus in my life? Where have I missed him? How can I learn and know him better as a result of just seeing him in this story? Would you just pray with me as we, as we close here? Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this story. A story that feels all too familiar for most of us. Help us to find that one thing that is essential, and that is you. In our busyness, in our quietness, that we would keep moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. Raise up a group, Lord, that would serve you effectively. Help us to be hospitable, open our homes to one another and to the community. But also, Lord, may we stop and hear from you daily. So, Lord, May your word have its effect in our lives. Holy Spirit, access us and, and reveal to us how this can work in our personal situation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for the Alpha group here after about five minutes from now. But I just want to just remind you, let's be like Martha. Let's open our homes this summer. Let's make room for people. Let's find opportunities to... To, and, and make sure that there's always that empty chair for Jesus in your group. You're always saying, I'm inviting people over, but Christ is also part of this gathering. Let's use our homes for God's glory and our backyards for, for his blessing. Now to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, and God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next week outdoors. Bring your lawn chairs. <laughs>